fraternal greetings and a warm welcome to you. We're glad that you could join us on the Ashlers podcast, a space for the world's oldest fraternity to shine some light through Masonic paper readings, discussions, interviews, and more. Freemasonry is so old that our lifetime wouldn't be enough to capture its grandeur in the entirety. However, all things great should begin somewhere, and so we are thrilled to start off with season one, which will focus on Freemasonry and its roots in India, one state at a time. As a disclaimer, the thoughts and opinions expressed here are solely of the participants and do not represent any official positions including those of any grand lords or constitutions thereof best efforts have been made to keep the conversation on the level for brethren and non masons alike Hello and welcome folks to the Ashlers. This episode will be covering a very colorful state of India. We are going to be talking about the spread of masonry in Goa. Now, Goa has a lot of history. There's a lot of information that, you know, we have we are excited to share and you'll be surprised how many lodges are there in Goa, but you know, I'm going ahead of myself. There's something really important that, you know, I would like to cover. before we get into our episode so renesh you want to talk about why there is a delay that we had this time hey, uh thanks uh, shishir for uh, taking some time out and actually let doing this one because uh, we have been actually talking about this for almost i would say 4 weeks or something and we were supposed to obviously do this somewhere in last month but some way or the other something or the else was not working out right and uh, i guess listeners you all understand we are unfortunately going through a second phase of covid in our country and this has taken precedence for our work for our own family for our own safety so there were certain things which we had to actually keep in place and because of all of these things we definitely both of us took a decision saying that let's just take a pause and try to concentrate on these efforts and uh, let's see what is exactly is happening completely agree and you know i too rinesh as you know was between jobs so mm-hmm. leaving one post you have to do a handover and getting into a new one you need to get the handover <laughs> so there was quite a bit of you know busyness on my side as well and of course uh, covid was another one thing me and my wife were infected so we had to sort of you know, uh, deal with that th- this is an unprecedented circumstances and a very troubling or a try tra- what should i say tiring uh, time for all of us so let's see oh, how how are we able to cope with it you know what also is happening on the sidelines a lot of people are also helping each others you know in the yes. community a lot of people and i'm not just talking about masons alone of course as masons all of us are involved in some way or the other forming little groups of pockets some lot just taking up you know some sort of a work to help the community but that's right i don't think it's mainly about masons it's about people helping other people you know this True. is what i'm seeing like you know you and me ranesh are part of so many whatsapp groups including masonic groups <laughs> so we see a yes. lot of these messages right someone reaches out for help saying that hey we are looking for a bed is there someone who can help 
uh, you know to get a bed in the hospital or someone wants oxygen those kind of things you know is what also uh, is is something that i'm observing and it is heartening to see yes. you know people coming forward to help others this is not the time to um, you know uh, question what you know uh, what, what ethnic background one is part of or what religion one follows it is a human who needs help and if you are another human who can help i think that is the only thing that should sort of you know uh, inspire you and uh, true, true. yeah i mean that's my take on it rinesh what do you think no, i completely agree with you as a matter of fact around a month or a month and a half back we actually took up like my lodge actually took up a small charity work wherein we uh, had uh, we one of our members right he actually helped Uh, makes manufactures this disinfectant so we obviously got those things and we actually gave it to these sanitary workers like these guys who literally are picking up the rubbish around our city right and they themselves are not even uh, don't even have the basic stuff now people obviously will come up and say yes they might have they are not using it doesn't matter our job is to help others and not to judge i am not or rather we are not god or anybody of that matter to judge anyone so we will do or we will continue to do whatever we can and so during that same around one and a half month back we actually got some ration we got some uh, obviously these hand sanitizers we some got some face mask and we gave it to these workers we thought let's let, let it be there but i i somehow wonder you know what should is it that only we do this or have you actually heard about others as well doing it so uh, you know i've seen quite a few people forming groups um mm. and sort of you know like in in our apartment complex itself right there are a few cases of covid so these are people who are in home quarantine and some of the people have you know sort of helped uh, help them out they are told that you know mm. if you need to order anything or if you need to pick up something you know we will do it for you just let me know here's my number so you know those kind of yeah. things are happening uh, beyond that like i mentioned earlier what if you lodges are trying to do certain things on their own uh, you know as a lodge as a group because a lodge is composed of several different brethren so those people mm-hmm. are coming together and you know are trying to help people out like you mentioned so a lot of those things are happening which again is very inspiring to sort of witness to see in front of you to know about it and uh, my message or rather rinesh i would say our message is that this pandemic can be defeated provided all of us come together with one mindset not come together physically maintain social distancing but have one mindset follow the protocols that the government is you know trying so hard to make us follow uh support the government as well i would say it doesn't matter which government who is a pm this is not the time for all that now is the time yeah. to stand together as a country right as a human race to fight and help each other and help each other listen to the experts trust on science and hmm. i'm sure this virus can be taken care of yeah I, I, we have taken care of the spanish flu we have taken care of the black plague yeah. this is exactly. this is as a matter of fact according to the stats apparently this is not even that lethal but 
it does not i'm not trying to demean anyone and i'm not trying to just like like put a shadow to these things we have to come together to fight this and we will continue to do this whether we are freemasons whether we are of any other organization whether we are of any other ethnic background because the most important is we are humans and as human it is our moral obligation which has been inbuilt in our dna to help each other to help other humans so let's just forget everything else and just concentrate both most important make sure that you are safe before you go ahead and help anyone because otherwise it's just going to be just just going to mess up everything exactly and like anyone who has gone on a flight you know there's one mm-hmm. point that is always told right put mm-hmm. the oxygen mask on yourself first and then help others exactly. so before you go to help people make sure you yourself are first and foremost True. in the right you know uh, able you are able body you're not infected yourself uh That's right. and you are wearing the right you know kind of kits uh maintain social distancing and all of that and then go out to help in whatever way you possibly can or at least support the groups that are trying to do something um so with that you know i i thought it was it it meant uh, a lot i think we as a group sort of give a bit of few like give a few minutes to talk about the situation because a lot of you know misinformation also is being put out right yeah. so i think that is another one thing we need to be careful about sure. um right so with that let's move to the main item for today's podcast episode that is the spread of masonry in goa now it is one of the it is the smallest state in our country the origin of the name goa is a bit unclear however in ancient literature goa has been known by many names and please don't mind my pronunciation uh, but if you pay close attention you might you know sense the evolution of this particular state's name so it has been known as uh, gomanchala as gopaka patna and also known as gopaka patam also known as gopaka puri and goa puri then govam and gomantak oh, that's a lot of different <laughs> names for one small little state uh, but you know there's yeah. more to the history that i will now leave to renesh to you know get into yes so uh, obviously the history of goa actually has like starts from some uh, the stone age periods and everything and all of those points but let's just concentrate from the time when civilization or uh, rather the civilization which we might know about it has started so somewhere in the 3rd century bce goa was part of the maurya empire then around the 2nd century to 6th century ad or 6th uh, second century bce to 6th century ce goa was ruled by the bhojas then the shutus of karwar then the satwahanas of kolapur western shatrapas then uh, Uh, the konkan mauryas they were some of them obviously were feudatories but th- this is how it kind of just spread the rule later passed on to the chaluk the chalukyas of badami uh, sorry chalukyas of badami then rashtrakutas of malkhed sadan silaras kadambas finally goa came under the governance of the delhi sultanate the kingdom's grip on the region was kind of weak and by around uh, 1370 it was forced to surrender it to the vijayanagar empire the vijayanagar monarchs held on to the territory until 1469 when it was appropriated by the bahmani sultans of gulbarga 
After that dynasty crumbled, the area fell into the hands of Adil Shahi of Bijapur. And finally, around 1510, the Portuguese defeated the ruling Bijapur Sultan Yusuf Adil Shah uh, with the help of a local ally, Timoji. They set up a permanent settlement in Bela Goa. Bela Goa, by the way, means Old Goa. And this was the beginning of the Portuguese colonial rule in Goa that lasted for four and a half centuries until. its annexation to india in 1961 now that's a long history and a very recent one considering portuguese were actually right there till the 1960s that's fascinating man because and and that also shows how you know the culture of goa has been uh, molded with so many different people vying for that particular state right and it kind of makes it like a melting pot of so many different cultures and traditions and what not and i think that is something that really adds to the aura of what goa is all about like you ask any indian today <laughs> who wants to party and i'm sure they will have goa somewhere in yes. their list um which also brings me to a fun fact actually i am one of those few indians who has never been to goa and i am actually not very interested to go there either <laughs> because i'm more of a hill kind of a person you drop me in some hill station and i'll be happy oh boy you put me onto a beach and i'll be like what's with all this heat man <laughs> oh yeah that's that's nice actually i have been one of those guys who at least have been to goa and um, uh, the, the the topic of goa at least for a person from bombay right was always about like let's just go to goa like let's just have a beach somewhere not that we don't have a beach in the konkan region because in maharashtra obviously you have a lot of beaches and uh, today by the way being maharashtra day i actually thought that just need to bring out but even though whatever you have sometimes in your backyard there is sometimes that aura like for example where shishir was saying that yeah for him the mountains calls for me the same thing i might have these kind of high hills or mountains around the area but then suddenly when you talk about ladakh or when you talk about the himalayan range you suddenly will be like no that's the place you need to be that's the same thing when it came to beaches right we might have had beaches in maharashtra we might we definitely have beaches in karnataka or andhra but sometimes that that the call of goa just brings you there and by the way shishir i think this is one of the reasons why if you actually try to see the culture of goa especially after the 60s when uh, it opened up for the indian public and obviously indians were actually being able to go there and uh, stay there i realized that that's when you had an influx of people coming from all over the country as well as all over the world so much yeah. so that the 70s right the hippie culture which we actually witnessed that was very there was predominantly found also in goa i can't say obviously in only in goa but also in goa so much so that the beaches the anjuna beach in goa is so famous that there is a record label in uk which whose name is anjuna beats because the owners of those they actually came to goa they witnessed the party scene they witnessed the music the culture the as you mentioned the melting pot right and they took it back saying that we want to dedicate our work to that beach to that place where we actually saw all these things so anjuna beats is one of those very famous uh, record label in uk similarly goa trance is a special or rather a separate electronic dance uh, genre which is actually available and that kind of showcases what we all like what we have actually been able to give and this is not just because of the last rule which was there this is based on the people living there the accommodating feature which they had the chilled out attitude some of these guys have the relaxed the laid back everything came together to make goa what it is today i was just thinking about the delhi order 
yeah when you were talking about anjana beats right so another one contribution from india <laughs> uh, you know from from goa side now uh, let's move over to the lodges in uh, goa right <clears throat> and this is where i was you know we just before the episode started you and i were having this discussion that uh, you know how come this is the case but i don't want to break the surprise or steal your thunder so where do you go ahead so what when we were trying to find some uh, the history of uh, freemasonry in goa it ideally started somewhere in 1980 and uh, 1982 lodge gomantak by the way brethren uh, sorry listeners please remember that this is one of the name of goa from the olden time so lodge this lodge obviously took that old name of goa lodge gomantak number 248 is actually part of the grand lodge of india so they are the only indian grand uh, indian lodge which is available in goa there was there is also an english lodge hague brown lodge i'm i'm still trying to figure out what the who who this uh, hague brown is because when i uh, tried searching about hague brown i only found alan hague brown who was a footballer uh, he died in 1918 he was also a british officer but somehow i'm not very sure whether it's the same so if any of your listeners actually know about hague brown lodge in goa please do let us know so hague brown lodge is technically the oldest lodge in goa because it was consecrated back in 1918 Uh, the lodge number is three eight two nine, but the the funny part was like obviously when we tried to search for the history of that, uh, Shishir and I realized that we didn't find much of a history because this lodge technically came in the year two thousand. Uh, sorry, two thousand nine. If I'm not wrong, two thousand nine is when they actually came from Bombay to Goa. so they were obviously part of the bombay presidency at one point when it was uh, started and everything so this is where shishir and i started thinking what exactly was happening before 1980 and the answer was very simple there was nothing happening freemasonry actually didn't spread in uh, goa the way we have heard or rather the way we have witnessed in other states so wherever the british used to go they were able to take these things so wherever the french were going obviously they were also bringing some lodges but portuguese on the other hand were very they did not get any freemason lodges in this country now i'm not very sure why what is happening and this definitely opens up some avenues for me to do my research on trying to figure out what exactly is freemasonry in portugal and how exactly is it functioning or what is happening that why did they not think about the portuguese colonies because in india the portuguese colonies were many but there were only two crowning glories which they had one was bombay which was obviously big for them and the other was goa uh bombay obviously was around the 1500s and around the same time is when they even got this colony in goa they also have in dadra and nagar haveli they had it in diu they had it in many places lakshadweep if i'm not wrong was one of their first ones in this uh, in the at least the indian subcontinent but apart from that after they reached cochin and everything they have been spreading but they never bought freemason they never brought freemasonry there and that is something which is very interesting which i feel uh, maybe if somebody wants to take it up to find out what happened be my guest but i would definitely love to actually get to know what exactly happened yeah me too because i was thinking there definitely be quite a few lodges over there yes uh, but yeah again <laughs> you know contrary to what we thought but any which ways you know um uh, you never know you may probably have more lodges coming up uh in the near future so you know as a matter of fact shishir you know the lodge gomantak right they act on, they don't have a place of their own 
so what they have been doing is they have been actually collecting funds from people and they have uh, about to buy i think they have already bought a place and also obviously they are actually building that whole place so there is a trust fund which they have created for brethren around the country to actually go ahead and donate whatever they can simple small amount or whatever and help them to build a place for their own where they can have their own regular meetings now that is yes, something which is a very which is a very commendable uh, option right like commendable thing which they are doing and as a matter of fact the first time i ever heard was this uh, there is a brother right worshipable brother richard gold so he is the one who actually uh, he was the first person whom i ever knew that he was from lodge gomantak okay a very nice fellow like you know he, he when you look at him from far right and you just go and stand in front of him and like just say hi hello to him like the way he just warms up to you and the way he talks rich you are the best that's what i wanted to bring out uh, so he was one of the first fellow who had actually told me about lord gomantak and uh, i was fortunate enough to actually go ahead and buy a mug which they were actually selling and the proceedings for buying that mug was all going into that trust so that they can help, they can actually use that money to build the place for their own uh, by the way very few lodges in our country actually have newsletters lord gomantak is one of those they have a newsletter called the i on lodge gomantak where they release a newsletter regularly shishir and any of the listeners especially freemasons if you are ever interested in writing some articles or if you have found some good articles which you feel is very interesting please do reach out to brother richard and he should be able to give you uh, he should be able to publish that in his newsletter uh, for any details please do reach out to us and we will share the information accordingly that's good information uh, renation i i i think um, you know i in one of my emails i used to get that newsletter but so yes. i lost the password of that email <laughs> to get that i think i'll have to sign up with another email but yeah, yeah please do please do yeah i i used to read that newsletter it's a pretty good one uh, so yeah. like renation said those interested please do reach out to brother uh, richard gold i had the uh, fortune of meeting him Uh, oh, <laughs> come to our lot here. Yeah. So pretty towering personality, I would say. But <laughs> yes, <a> giant. <laughs> oh, he, he he is the best. I I really like to talk to him and the way he actually just. As I told you, right, the way when you talk to him, like you will actually feel that I think I know him for like ages. And I guess we're just continuing a conversation from wherever we stop. And obviously, thank you very much for this because uh, a special thanks to him because he is the one who gave me some of this information about the lodge and also worship. brother dr govin welling he also did give me some informations regarding what was happening in goa how things were happening how things were changed so these are the details which we got and we were able to bring this up for our episode perfect and you know listeners uh, as we keep uh, you know telling you all this information is hardly available on the internet very little is available on the internet you know a lot of this is dependent on other brethren whom we reach out to and that is why we you know love to give that extra special vote of thanks to all those brethren who have actually helped us so thank you so much to brother richard and brother govind for helping us with this and you know making this episode happen you actually have a big hand in that so with that folks we finally come to an end of today's goa episode i hope you enjoyed it more importantly i also hope that you got our message and you know spread harmony and not hate uh, this is not the time to get into divisions this is the time to come together and defeat a common enemy 
so with that um i would like to also say that if there is any feedback for us to improve or correct any information definitely let us know we will make those corrections we will try and improve ourselves neither of us are experts with any of these things we are just learning uh, but with every episode we learn a little more we get better a little more uh, but then we also have to juggle between our job our research home and what not so can be bear with us we are trying to do our best but you can make us even better so rinesh where are we going next hey well the place where we both found freemasonry karnataka yeah technically we, uh, we some obviously we did find it before that but yeah we joined freemasonry in karnataka so obviously we'll yeah. do that and i think uh, maybe we might actually think about doing like a two episode kind of a stuff maybe we'll obviously give some time for karnataka itself and then we will talk about the city where we both joined freemasonry which is bangalore namma bengaluru exactly and i believe karnataka is going to be the last state right in this particular season that's right yes and after that i think we should be actually covering the union territory so that also will be a very interesting one yeah so folks as you heard the upcoming episodes are going to be even more interesting bangalore one will be extra special one reason that both of us joined uh, masonry in bangalore and that way we have a lot of information i'm sure rinesh and i are going to have tough time figuring out what <laughs> to include and what not to include right? yes so that's going to be there and i don't want to break the surprise here but just you know want to give a little hint after we complete our you know union territories there's something really special about the other episodes which is going to come from there so one hint look at the india map and then you can guess what it is if you guessed it right let us know in our you know instagram or on on uh, on hubhopper or you can send us a mail with your guess and we might call your name out if it is correct so with that thank you everyone have a safe time and we hope you will all get through this together goodbye yeah. goodbye Well, that just about wraps it up folks. We sincerely hope that you liked our episode and got a glimpse into the fascinating world of Freemasonry. And what better way than to hear about it from those who are the humble members of the Gentle Craft. If you have any queries about what we shared on this episode or generally on this podcast or even about Freemasonry, please check out the show notes. for links to the grand lords of india's website or feel free to write us an email please do look forward to the next episode